This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is Raquel Miller. Raquel, how's it going? What's up? I'm excited. Thank you for having me, Paul. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's just go back a little bit. Like, what? What's your? How did you get into boxing? Um, I got into boxing because I used to fight a lot in my neighborhood, and I've always been a tomboy, and I always just wanted to challenge myself to see how good I would actually be if I got into like a scheduled, you know, boxing match as opposed to a street fight. So I just wanted to challenge myself, and I wanted to have one fight. I really never intended to go pro or do anything else, and one fight led to like 70 amateur fights, led to like 13 pro fights, and I'm still here, but street fighting pretty much led me to boxing. So you, you grew up in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. So I grew up in San Francisco, Bayview. And then, uh, so tell, like, how did, like, like, how did you, like, find a gym and all that stuff, too? Well, initially what I did was I tried boxing, like, three times before it actually stuck. So the first time I tried, uh, I just, my friend, Mashanti Jordan, he was um, a pro boxer. He was a heavyweight, actually, a real heavyweight. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he, he, he brought me to his gym and I wasn't, and I liked the gym, but I just wasn't disciplined enough to actually stick to the lifestyle. So I quit. And then I tried again. And that time the coach was really inappropriate towards me. So I quit. And then the third time I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go into like 24 hour fitness and I'm going to get in really top shape. And then I joined like a boxing class at the local um, recreational center. Shout out to Manny Blackwell because he was my first official like coach on the mitts and stuff like that. And then from the actual um, recreational center boxing class, which I ended up being the, the coach for, I went to a boxing gym and I felt like I was actually ready to go that time. So it was a progress. What year was your first uh, like amateur fight? My first amateur fight was 2011. Yeah, I think. I think if it's not 2011, I think 2000 and either. Wait, hold on, let me get this through. My first amateur fight was December 10th, 2010. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then how did that, how did you like, I guess one, when did, when did you know like you were good at it? And then when did you know that you wanted to continue it? Cause you, you just mentioned that you were just trying to get one fight at the first. Well, I knew I always knew how to fight. Like I could fight before I could box, I could fight. Um, so I always knew I had the heart to be a fighter. I just didn't have a skill yet, but I knew how to fight. I just didn't know how to box. And so when I first um, had my fight, I, I trained for like eight months before I had the fight and it was so much fun, Paul, just to like challenge yourself. I lost like 50 pounds. I literally changed the way I ate and I just kind of trained like crazy. And I fell in love with boxing. And I had like, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 of my family and friends come out. I won fight of the night. And I was like addicted after that. Like, it was like, yeah, this is it. I, this is This is it. So yeah, that's when I knew that night. When I got my hand raised, I won fight of the night. Lost all my breath fighting. I was like, "Yeah, this is it." So. And then how how did it how did it come about that you got on Team USA? Um. So from there, like I started hearing conversations that that was going to be the first time they allowed women to be a part of the Olympics, and so I was like, "Well, I want to go to the Olympics." And then everybody was saying, "Oh, you can't go to the Olympics. You haven't been boxing long enough. 
And I was just like, you know, don't tell me what I can and can't accomplish. So I'm going to the Olympics. And so I just started busting my butt to get to the um, Olympic qualifiers. So I actually got the last slot for the Olympic um, team trials. And you had to have like five fights or 10, I don't know. I think it was like five fights in order to go to a national tournament. Excuse me, I broke my hand um, in my second fight. So it was like a challenge just all around the board. But anyhow, I went to Toledo, Ohio, and I qualified the last spot for the 2012 Olympic um, trials. Yeah. So, yeah, got that last spot. Eight women in the country qualify um, for the Olympic trials. I got the last spot, and it was on from there. I didn't win the Olympic trials. I got a bronze medal at the Olympic trials. And then the following week, I went to the USA Nationals, and I won um, – I won the nationals at 152 and I joined team USA at 152. That's so, and then what, yeah, just overall, like what was it like to just be like a part of like team USA and like the national team? Um, I was really, really excited because, you know, you work so hard to get there and it was just like really cool because I got there in like a year and a half, you know, so it didn't take me like a really long time to get on team USA. So I was just really thankful that, it was actually happening for me. And I actually, you know, made Team USA and got to go to the world championships and to the Olympics as a, a training partner. So it was just a really, really cool experience, especially given that I didn't box that long before. Mm -hmm. And then um, going fast forwarding into to 2016, then then you turned pro. So what, what was like, uh, I guess, what was the, like, what made you turn pro? I guess then um, instead of like back in 2012? Well, I really wanted to go to the Olympics. Like initially, I really didn't want to go pro. I wanted to go to the Olympics, especially because it was like, you know, the first time ever 2012, women were allowed to fight in the games. And um, 2016, I just wanted to go to the Olympics. I didn't really have my heart set on the pros, but I just recognized that it just seemed like if I transitioned into the pros, I got to compete and fight and represent myself. It wasn't really so much about being on a team. It was really just about being able to show my personality. And I just really thought that the women pro ranks needed more women to start transitioning from the amateurs to the pros. And so it just seemed like kind of the right thing to do. Gotcha. And then like your first pro match, uh, how, how was that? Like, were you nervous? Uh, did you have butterflies? <laughs> I was super nervous. Um, I was nervous, but I was ready. That was my first time fighting back home in like um, four or five years because I had been on Team USA and fighting like all over and I hadn't fought at home. So it was really cool to kind of like come home and have like my, you know, celebration party of becoming a pro at home. I had the packed house and it was really cool. Um, that was one of my, I think that was my favorite pro experience so far being home, you know, first time as a pro in front of my home crowd. That was like the most fun I've had as a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Not, nothing like the hometown. Um, and then in your, in your 10th pro fight, uh, you got to fight for the interim world title, the, the WBA, um, super welterweight. Uh, how, how, like, what was that whole experience like winning that? Um, that was really interesting. We got the fight on a three week notice. Um, so, that was crazy in itself. I had never fought at the 154 weight class. So that was just like a challenge of just kind of like busting my butt, working really hard, only having a short period of time to kind of like prepare. 
But, you know, we rose to the occasion. We went out to Canada. It was like freezing cold and snowing. But it was really cool just to have that experience. And we ended up getting that opportunity just on the last minute because Hannah Gabriels had got injured. And I got to kind of slide in at the last minute. So very exciting, but then still unfortunate because Hannah Gabriels and I never got to fight after that, which that was supposed to be the next fight. Yeah, that was, that's what I was going to ask you next. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, was that just like, and then obviously that was COVID happened right after that too. Exactly. So, um, and then what is like, what's your goals now to like, what, what belt are you chasing? Like which division? So right now I'm chasing any world title, to be honest, Paul. Like if I get like the, the fight that I want is the fight that's going to give me a world title. So I don't really care where it comes from or how it has to go, but that is my goal. Um, <clears throat> that was, excuse me, that was the point of doing the 168 um, international title was to set up the fight with Fran John, but now Fran John is um, going to fight Marshall. So we'll see how that goes. So I'm, I'm ready to fight the winner of that for sure. So what, like what weight class could you still make like 154? 160. I don't know about 154. <laughs> I don't know about 154, but um. 160, 168 for sure. But 154, I don't think so. But 160, 168 for sure. All right. I know it's wrong on BoxRec, but as I mentioned before, it says you're heavyweight because they have false information. So, like, yes. would you would you ever fight at a higher, like, a higher weight to get a belt? Mm, no, because I kind of feel like mm, I don't really think so. Like, for example, when I'm training, I'm just naturally not, like, a heavyweight. So I kind of feel like that's taking the opportunities from the women that are real heavyweights, kind of. Well, I don't really think I would fight at a heavyweight, honestly. I, I just, I don't know, but I can't say never, but that's not like on my to-do list either. Yeah. and I, Well, I know you just mentioned like Hannah Gabriels because I remember looking her up and she has like, somehow she has the cruiserweight and the heavyweight title. Yeah. Boxing is a funny sport. I mean, boxing is a funny sport where bunch of stuff that shouldn't happen happens and like technically is, there's no like technically there's only like according to box right there's only two light heavyweights which would be 175 if people don't know that mm -hmm. yeah so i don't know i'm not like completely like absolutely no depending on what fight it was but that's not like something i'm just like yeah paul i want to go fight a heavyweight and just collect all the titles because i feel like no one's there to fight and i don't want to just have a an empty title. I want to have a title that matters. For sure, for sure. All right. So the question I know everyone always asks you is like, who who do you who do you want to fight next? I would love to fight. Like next, I don't really care honestly. But before I retire, I would love to be able to fight um, Franchise Cruz. I would love to be able to fight Shields. Um, I tried to fight Christina Hammer a couple of times, but I don't really think that's going to actually happen. Um, I think that Sedacia Green's really good. So there's a bunch of women that I would like to fight. Am I going to get to fight them all before I retire? I'm not sure, but those are women that I would love the opportunity to be able to dance with. What, what about Savannah Marshall? Oh, I forgot about Savannah. I literally said <laughs> I would like to fight Savannah too. We were actually like um, going to potentially fight, but it didn't happen. She ended up, um, Eddie Hearn had contacted me about fighting Savannah. And unfortunately, like it kind of fell through because I'm assuming she went over to Boxer and left the zone. So that kind of made that fight kind of not go through, but I would love to fight Savannah. 
Yeah, and then going just in the in the business aspect of it, and then especially like women's boxing, like how much harder is it to make like a hot fight? Obviously, because there's way less women, especially in your division. Well, now it just seems like women are actually getting those opportunities, but a lot of times it's really about who you're aligned with, who's your promoter, who's your manager. Um, I had a lot of like um, issues on the back end where I haven't got to have some of the big fights that I would have liked to have. Like I really had to kind of do a whole clean house type of thing where I had to change my promoter, I had to change my management team um, on top of having COVID. Well, not having COVID, but on top of it being COVID. So that kind of like um, squandered a lot of opportunities in that space because I just was like, I'm not going to stay in that space and in that contract. And if that meant I had to retire or just not fight again, then I was willing to do it. So some backlash came from that, but you got to stand up for what you believe in. And so, yeah. So it's been some challenges, but I feel like I finally got it right with my team. Like I don't have an actual promoter now, but I have a dope management team now. And I'm really thankful for them because they're very transparent. They keep it real with me. And, you know, they might not be like, you know, the top ranks or the PBC, but they're really dope people. And they're actually really good to me and push me and try to give me the opportunity. So I'm really thankful for Sheer Sports because they're definitely A1 and good people. And I'm happy to be working with them. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, what, like, what advice would you give to like a young, a young fighter trying to get into the boxing world? Um, develop your brand, develop your brand. Don't be so quick to sign a contract with anybody, you know, really develop your own brand, develop your own following, have your fans to where is that where you have some leverage when you come to the table, because a lot of fighters think, Oh, when I get signed, it's going to be kind of like, you know, an overnight wow type of thing. But really it's like, you can't depend on the promoters to promote you. But if you have people that love you and support you and buy tickets to your fight, that's your leverage and, you know, think of yourself as your own boss and that these people work for you and not trying to align with them just because you think that's going to kind of give you a, you know, insight to whatever. It's like, understand your brand, understand who your market is, and then understand what you bring to the table and then go from it, go towards it that way, as opposed to just thinking like sign with them, they're going to make it happen for you because that's a lot of times not the case. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You have to advocate for yourself. And even that's how like me finding you, I mean, I already knew about you, but like, obviously you have like the social media following and stuff like that. Where a lot of boxers, like there's a lot of great boxers that don't like, just don't do social media and just don't. And that's like hurting them in the long run. Yeah. And, and it's hurting me too. Like I have a decent following, but I could have a lot more of a following if I did more social media and more lives. And I'm completely aware of that. And one of these days, well, I'm gonna get my stuff together. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm gonna do better. <laughs> I swear to God, like I'd say, you're doing better than a lot of like. like of my life stuff. is like I'm. I'm kind, and I work. Uh, I have a nonprofit that I'm running, so it takes up a lot of my time and my attention. Um, so I'm working on it, but my goal is to get more active. It's been that way for a while, but I need to just hire somebody or something because Lord knows it's a struggle. But I'm trying. And then, yeah, I know, and I know you also have your own clothing brand, uh, Pretty Beast. And how, oh yeah, how did you, how did your nickname come about, the Pretty Beast? 
it really started as a joke. Um, like I used to come to work. I mean, I used to come to the gym and I used to work a uh, nine to five. So I used to work at a law firm before I started boxing full time. And I used to come to work and we come to the gym and I have like my slacks on and my button up shirts and stuff. And then like some of the guys at the gym used to laugh and be like, oh, you seem so pretty and nice. You don't even seem like you would fight at all. And then you get all, you know, into your boxing clothes and you start fighting like, ah, oh, but then when you start fighting, you're a beast. And so it started out as like kind of like a joke and we just used to joke about it. And then it just started to become like a thing where it's like any anybody can be a pretty beast because it's really just about, you know, not letting something define you. Like, why do I have to look a certain way just to be a boxer? Why do I have to look really tough in order to get in the ring and handle my business? So it really just started to be like kind of a movement like, no, I'm a pretty beast because I can, you know, look pretty outside the ring and I can get in the ring and be a beast. And that's what it's about. And that's like with anything, you can look good, feel good, do good, and then handle your business. If you were a, you know, cyclist, if you were a boxer, if you were a basketballer, it's like, there's no limit to it. It's just about being able to switch up if you need to. Yeah, no, definitely. Did you have any other nicknames before that? I've always been Rocky. Hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, funny because it's like, you know, the associated with, with the movie, but I've always been Rocky. So a lot of my like close family and friends call me Rocky. Gotcha. And then what what made you come up with um, Make Your Own Clothing Line? Um, it really just was about I wanted to have something that represented me and represented people who I felt like thought like me when it comes to, like I said, having that switch up where you might be viewed this way, but then you put on your gear, you get the training and they're like, dang, like, okay. Because a lot of times, especially when you're female, people don't take you serious like that. So then when they see you in there grinding and training, they're like, God, you train hard or you work hard or you're good. And so I wanted to have a brand that represented that to where girls can put on this shirt and feel empowered. Like I'm a pretty beast or, you know, I handle business. And so it really was just about wanting to identify my tribe. Yeah, no, that's dope. And uh, what's your what's your take on the um, two, two minutes versus three minute rounds for women? Um, Actually... I do think that it's two different type of fights. Um, like, it's really weird because as women, we train three minutes all the time. And then, like, when it's fight time, the last, like, week and a half of, of camp, you'll do two-minute rounds to try to kind of familiarize yourself. So do I think women need to fight three-minute rounds? I think it doesn't matter because women are are in shape enough to do so. But I don't think it's fair to make women fight three-minute rounds if you're not going to pay them three-minute type of salary. So if they're not getting paid, then no, leave it at two minutes because that's less damage. But if they're going to up the pay for women and, you know, equal out the playing field, then absolutely change it to three minutes and let the girls rock out. Yeah, so all right. So if it was all, like, you're getting paid more and stuff like that, like, what, like personally, would you want two minutes or three minutes if it's, like, everything's equal? If I get paid the same, give me two minutes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, saying, no. I don't know. I kind of think, well, let me think. That's a good question. Um. So wait, we get paid the same? Like, we're equal? Paid, like the same, like the, whatever the rate would be for the two minutes, like you get paid your, th like more for the three minutes. Pay us more money and let us fight. Three minutes. You yeah. think you would get more knockouts with three minute rounds? Probably so, because it's like a different fight. And a lot of times fatigue doesn't really kick in into the later rounds and where you really have to challenge yourself. And sometimes when you're fighting two minutes, it's like 
you know, kind of like you're getting to it and then it's like, ding, ding, you know, like almost like saved by the bell. So probably would be more knockouts for sure. Is there, do you have like, is, I know you mentioned the hometown fight, but is there any fight in particular that was your favorite? No. Sometimes they all run together, Paul. Sometimes I be forgetting. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but <laughs> um, no, I haven't really got to fight the fights that I really, really want to have yet to be able to kind of like solidify it and really gauge yourself and your skills. So I'm thankful for all the opportunities and it was really cool. I had a, I really liked the fight against, um, I fought her in LA. Her name is Erin Tohill. She was tough and it was a good fight. And that was just a fun fight. Like my family was there. It was my first time fighting for um, any type of title. Um, I had my San Francisco 49er colors on. Um, so that was one of my favorite fights, I think. That was the fight against Tohill. And I think that was like fight number eight. That was like one of my favorite fights because it was a good fight. She was game. It was a good fight. There you go. Um, do you have any? Do you have any upcoming dates that you can announce right now, or no? Um, I have a pending date, but I can't really say it for sure because I don't know for sure if it's going to happen. I'm actually in the transition of a move. I'm going to be moving to Los Angeles really soon, so I'm excited about that. I'm going to move to Los Angeles um, in June, so that's kind of um, they're kind of waiting for me to get settled before I actually get into full on camp, um, and then I have my nonprofit organization that I'm working on. We do a lot of stuff at the year school year end, like celebrating our girls and doing some galas and stuff like that. So I'm trying to kind of get some of my work stuff situated and get my move in place before I really um, harping on a date and lock in for camp. But probably June, into June, July, for sure, I'm going to be back in the ring. Does that mean you're getting a new trainer? No, that's a good question. So I'll still come to my, my coach will um, still be able, like, I'm only two hours from LA. So I'll have a new gym home in Los Angeles while I'm there, but my coach will remain the same. We locked in for life. Gotcha. That's um, it. But so I will have a new gym home. Um, I'm not really sure exactly which gym I trained in Los Angeles, but when it's camp time, me and my coach will definitely be um, locked in and he'll, we'll kind of go back and forth too. But expect to see me in Los Angeles, see me in some gyms. Um, I'm looking forward to kind of getting some of that sparring, you know, go look for Cornejo because she don't never want to fight me anyway. But it'd be good to get some rounds in at least. Um, but I just think there's more opportunities out there for me. Um, my management team is there. My coach is on board to be able to come travel with me, um, Bashir Abdullah. So I'm, I'm excited for the change. I'm excited for growth. Um, and I'm excited to see what LA got to do. I mean, you know, got for me. Let's go see what it do. Cause I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. All right. You ready for some fun questions? Yes. All right. Let's who, do it. Uh, like growing up, like, did you have any favorite athletes? Um, I think growing up, my favorite um, athletes was King Griffey Jr. Random and <laughs> Christy Martin. And, um, I really like Jordan. All right. Um, if I ever came to San Francisco, what would be the food spot I'd have to go to? I definitely think you need to go to Fisherman's Wharf and have some seafood, have some clam chowder, um, thang long if you want to have some garlic noodles. Um, San Francisco to me is like a place where you go for seafood. So you would definitely have to go to thang long, crack stations, um, and go to the wharf for some really good food. And if you're into like um, El Salvadorian food, stuff like that, I like cha-cha-chas. But I think San Francisco is like a dope place for food, period. All right. Um, what is, what's like a fight that you're looking forward to? Like any fight that you're looking forward to that hasn't happened yet? 
period, or for myself? Both. I'm looking forward to Crawford and Spence. I really would think that I want to see that fight. I think it's a good fight. Um, And yeah, I'm looking forward to that fight. How how do you see that playing out? Are you are you you were on the team with Arrow Spence in the U.S. Yeah, so 2012, um, I was definitely on that team. I think that Spence is really talented. I think Crawford's really talented. Um, I would give the edge to Crawford. I think that it'll probably go the distance. And I think that if it's a point decision, I would give the decision to Crawford. But I think that it's um, pretty much a 50-50 fight, and I'm not counting either, excuse me, one out. But I think if it goes to points, I would give it to Crawford. All right. It's fair enough. Uh, all right. So what, yeah. All right. What would be your dream matchup? Like anybody all time dead or alive? Does it have to be a female? I mean, I know that I would go out fighting a guy, but, um, I really think that Lucia Riker is the all time, um, my all time favorite. And I think she's like probably the greatest female fighter that I've ever seen. Woman fighter. So I would want to fight, um, her. Yeah. Lucia would be my, my, um, dream fight. That's dope. <clears throat> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, can you let the you. listeners know where they can follow you at? Absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram at um, MS period Raquel Miller. You can follow me on Facebook um, under Raquel Miller. I even got a TikTok. <laughs> it is um, Miss Pretty Beast. And I do have a Twitter and please forgive me. Uh, sometimes it's just too many social medias. I can't keep up with them all, but I'm going to go back to Twitter eventually, too. And I have um, Twitter under um, Miss um, Pretty Beast as well on Twitter. And I also have a nonprofit organization, ladiesempower.org. I'm actually going to do my Fight Like a Girl, my annual Fight Like a Girl tomorrow. Um, so I'm super excited about that. And then I'm going to do a women's um, self-defense clinic on Sunday with Women Win. So I'm just excited and just thankful. And Paul, you're amazing. I'm super happy to be a part of your team. You know, I just love what you're doing. I'm super excited just to be able to work with you. And I'm looking forward to the future. You know, Fiji sports is definitely it. And I'm excited and thankful to be a part of it for sure.